Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 22. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Hi, Fire Nation, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Entrepreneur on Fire, your daily dose of inspiration. A couple quick notes. I have an awesome gift for everyone who subscribes to our email community. 20 incredible WordPress video tutorials. These tutorials will turn you into a WordPress whiz in no time flat. Don't forget, we also award $50 to one subscriber every single week. So what are you waiting for? Head over to eofire.com, subscribe to Fire Nation, and the WordPress gift and potentially $50 cash is yours. Also, I want to thank everyone who has left a five-star rating and review. It allows Entrepreneur on Fire to continue to deliver this free content to you on a daily basis. So please, if you have not yet done so, go to eofire.com, click on the subscribe and iTunes button, and leave a rating and review so I can give you a personalized shout out at the top of an upcoming show. And here are the shout outs now. C. O'Brien. Peter Adal. J.B. Glossinger, The Morning Coach. Adam Baker, Man vs. Debt. And B.B. LeBond. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting Fire Nation. Okay, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Tim Conley. Tim, are you prepared to ignite? Oh, yeah, definitely. Love to hear it. Tim is the voice behind the podcast, Foolish Adventure. He's been creating marketing strategies and systems for other businesses for over 13 years. A quote that I pulled from his website that I look forward to him expounding upon is, we are here to help you get over feeling foolish and start feeling foolish. So Tim, I've given a little overview of who you are and what you do, but why don't you take us into a little more in-depth? Okay. Uh, yeah, this... Uh I tried to encapsulate who I, who I was in in something really short, you know, a a marketing consultant for 13 plus years, and that really doesn't even cover like all my interests that I put into my entrepreneurial journey that that has been those 13 plus actually 14 years this this summer. So it, it's been it's been a long it's been a long trip going from a guy who knew absolutely nothing to someone who knows a bit more than I did 14 years ago. But I, I really focus on helping people. I, I, I found that I really enjoyed helping other people succeed. It was something that I, I just get a, a good thrill out of because working on my own business is just boring. Working on other people's businesses is exciting. I, I've never been able to flip that switch in my head to where it's like, yeah, I, I love doing spreadsheets <laughs> in my own business. Like, I, I don't want to do that stuff. But when I come to a client and it's like, oh, uh, let, let's, let's like exponentially grow your business, that, that kind of stuff gets me excited. That's a, that's a great example, and I have an interesting little thing to kind of nudge in here. I was talking to my housekeeper yesterday, and I was like, man, you do such a great job here. 
you must have the cleanest house in the world. And she said, are you kidding? I hate cleaning my house. I never clean it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. So here at Entrepreneur on Fire, we like to start every show off with our guest's favorite success quote. It's our way of getting the motivational ball rolling, so to speak. So Tim, what's your favorite success quote? Uh, that was really, really tricky to try to narrow down. First, I was thinking, since I am kind of a goofball, I was going to you know, have a funny quote you know, or something. But someone who really, really speaks to me, uh, an author that I've really enjoyed is Henry David Thoreau. And there's a ton of quotes uh, from Thoreau that, that, uh, that people know very well. You know, like uh, living a life of quiet desperation and things like that. But one of them that really, really spoke to me because it was kind of the way I've lived my life. And that's, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. That, that quote is one of my favorites from Thoreau because... Even as a even as a kid, I didn't want to live a normal life. I, I I looked around and I saw normal people, and they didn't look happy. They didn't look like they lived. They they existed. They they got up in the morning. They had their breakfast. They went to work. They came home. They watched some sports on TV, and maybe they did some yard work or something. Went to bed did the whole thing all over again the very next day, over and over and over again. And I was like, man, that does not look like living to me. And I wanted to go out into the world and live deliberately. And, you know, and then as I got older, like in my early 20s, I discovered Thoreau. You know, as a teen, reading Thoreau is not exactly high on the priority list. Not very. <laughs> but then then I, I, I discovered that and I'm like, man, I, uh, I think I'm uh, the reincarnation of Thoreau with, uh, with maybe not as much courage as, as uh, the original Thoreau. But... Uh, that that quote really speaks to me. That is a very powerful quote for a lot of reasons. Can you just give us an example of how you use this in your everyday life or how you've used this recently? Uh, figuring out what what to do and what not to do. Uh, one, one of the things, I, I was working on a new information product and it seemed like a great idea at the time that it was conceived, but my heart truly wasn't in it. And I just kept delaying the project and delaying the project. And and it was mostly because I, I stayed with it because I had made verbal commitments to other people. I said, hey, I'm going to make this thing. And and the more the more I got into it, the less I wanted to do it. And that and then I realized like I'm not living deliberately. I'm not living the life that I'm choosing. I I just, I thought I wanted to do something, and then realized once I got into it, I didn't want to do it. But now I'm doing it simply because I'm trying to um, appease other people. And and that is something that if, if you spend your life trying to appease other people, you will never appease yourself. Thank you for sharing that. That's very powerful. And it's something that I myself try to live on a daily basis. So it's good to see that you feel the same way. So transitioning to our first topic, which is failure. At entrepreneuronfire.com, <laughs> we delve into the journey of our spotlighted entrepreneur. And for all entrepreneurs, somewhere in their journey lies failure. And to be honest, most of the time, 
multiple places in their journey lies failure. So Tim, think back to a, a moment that you want to share where you, you came up against failure, you fell into the pit of despair, but you learned from it, you created a better self, and you moved forward. Let's start with the events that led up to this failure. Okay. Uh, th- this this one, even after all these years, because this is really the the launch of me as Tim the entrepreneur versus Tim the hustler, uh, because I you know I grew up trying. Uh, I, I was I grew up in a very poor family, and and I learned to go out and earn my own money as as a little kid, and like taking trading cards to a grade school and and trading those for Matchbox cars and then getting the Matchbox cars and selling them for a dollar or something. And and I and I worked my way up the system, trading more and more value till I got what I wanted, which was more cash, to be able to go buy my G.I. Joes and Star Wars figures. Absolutely. And, yeah, you know, I, I had to have them. So I had to figure out a way to get there because, you know, like my parents couldn't buy those things for me. And, and so I went from being this like hustling kid to – this point when along came the internet, I had been dinking around on online on and off since the late 80s of uh, getting on uh, to uh, CompuServe. It was extremely expensive back then. So, you know, I couldn't do it very much. Then along comes uh, the bulletin boards and Gopher and stuff like that. And, and I'm uh, messing around with those in like 1993, 94. And then in 95, Mosaic came out, which was the first graphical browser. And, and then that just kind of really launched everything. Like, you know, that, that same year, like Netscape comes out with their graphical browser. And I started learning how to make HTML pages. And I'm like, man, this, this thing's really interesting. How am I going to use this? Because I was a designer at the time. I, I used to make furniture and cabinetry and, you know, physical stuff. I liked designing furniture and building it and stuff. And I, I wanted to just design things. And I saw this web thing. It's like, oh, you know, th- this would be awesome to be able to you know, make a web page for my, uh, my design business. And so my design business really shifted from designing physical things to designing digital things. And then we, you know, the news back then was these young guys writing their business plan on a napkin, getting funded with millions of dollars and living this high life. And throwing these huge parties on this VC money that they just got. And I'm like, that's going to be me. So me and a friend, we loved to travel the world. We created a business that was going to take people on these, what we were calling authentic tours around the world that got people to see more of the local stuff than just jumping off of an air-conditioned bus, take pictures of some a sightseeing place and then jump back on the bus and drive to the next place. We were going to give people a more authentic experience. And, and we started, we started hustling. Uh, you know, I built the website. We, we created all sorts of stuff. We had nine guides committed to doing tours around the world. Uh, you know, it was, it was awesome. Everything was beautiful. I was out hustling, trying to get money, trying to get funding. And then um, the dot-com bust came along and that made me realize that we were going to fail. Uh, we we didn't uh, we had commitments for money, but then the money didn't come because well, uh, everything was falling in the dot com space. We didn't have any customers, and 
and I, I committed a lot of my own personal money to to this venture and and put up a lot of my my own credit and everything and and I had a baby girl at the time. We were in this. Uh, we we bought a house in Portland, Oregon, and you know it was this hundred year old craftsman house, and you know it was beautiful. And we were going to start this whole family and everything, and I was going to launch this great business, and then it all fell, and and that that freaked me out. I, I, I really didn't know what to do. And, and the money was just gone. And, and I'm like, oh, th- this sucks. And so we rented out our house to a, to a young couple who, you know, were on the rise, you know, just, it, you know, thinking back to just how uh, horrible that feels. You know, you're, you're renting out your, your home, your dream home that you got with your wife and your baby girl. And, and you're thinking, you know, this, this, this. I'm, I'm giving my dream over to someone else so that I can go move into a 700 square foot apartment that I put my desk up inside the this tiny living room, and and tried to save this company that I was building, all because I and and all this happened because I, you know, looking back, I didn't know how to get customers. I didn't know anything about really getting customers on the internet. I didn't know how to do, actually, I didn't know how to get customers, period. I, I got customers previously because of word of mouth and things like that. But in in a, a bigger sense, you need ways of driving customers to you. And I had no idea how to do that. And 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 it really took, a, took me into this insanely low place. And... But but I, w- I wouldn't quit. You know, I could have, uh, we could have stayed in our house. I could have quit. I could have quit being, being that uh, potential entrepreneur. I could have quit at that point, but I didn't. Uh, and, and my wife was like, okay, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you, uh, we'll, we'll figure this out. And, and she was willing to move into this tiny little apartment in, in a not very nice neighborhood and, as she, you know, she was willing to do this because she saw that I would never be happy being someone I wasn't, and entrepreneurship was the thing that that belonged to me, and and that that was like the biggest failure I ever had. So you rented out your house, you moved into a seven hundred square foot apartment on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> What happens at that point with your company? Does it actually fail and go away, or are you able to turn it around and move it forward? No, just uh, shut it down. Um, it, it wasn't surviving. Uh, my friendship with my uh, partner, the co-founder, uh, almost was destroyed, and like to the point where we were—he uh, was a lot mad at me. Because uh, things, you know, I made promises like, "Hey, this thing's going to be amazing," and then it just, we just, I couldn't, I couldn't fulfill my side of it, which was, I couldn't drive customers to, to the company, I couldn't raise money, I, I you know, everything kind of fell apart, and so I almost lost uh, a friendship that I still have now. That uh, this is like 21 years we've been friends now. In 60 seconds or less, give us one lesson that you truly learned from this failure. Know how to get customers. Find, know how to get your market. Find them and drive them to your business by giving them the value they're seeking. Once you're capable of doing that, you can succeed anywhere. Tim, thank you for bearing your soul. I mean, this is a very 
sensitive subject and you're you're being very generous with the information you're you're giving so we we all do appreciate that and I personally really love hearing the stories of the internet days back in 1994. <laughs> As I was only 14 years old myself, I'm 32 years old now, so I never really had the business mind at that age. And by the time I graduated college, the dot-com bubble had already well popped. So I wasn't dying to get into the internet business myself. And I went ahead and was an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. So I took a different journey. And I'm glad to be riding the second wave right now. And it's, it's definitely a great experience. Yeah. Again, thank you for sharing that, that moment of failure. And let's take that moment where you were when you did fail and you continued moving forward because you are an entrepreneur at heart. You have the, the spirit of an entrepreneur. You continue to learn, to strive, to make mistakes. Did you at one point have an aha moment where a light bulb just came on and you said, wow, this is actually a viable idea. It's going to resonate with my clients. It's going to resonate with people. I'm excited about it. Let's go forward in this direction. Yeah, when when I saw like the, I the, I knew this question was coming, and I, I just started thinking back through the past, and and no, I never had a big aha moment. Uh, my my whole life has been one of continual progression. Like I, I do something, I try it, I test it, I see what happens, and then I ke- I keep moving. And with that, just being. Uh, with little moments of like smaller ahas, smaller epiphanies that that come along that say, okay, I, I tried this and it didn't work the way I thought it was going to work or it worked better than I thought it was going to work. So then I would take that that small moment and then turn it into something new. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was there was never like, oh, this is uh, you know something you know awarded on high to me, you know, kind of thing. It, it never it ne- that never happened. It was it was more that I had this burning desire to to succeed, and and then life just doesn't hand you success. And along that way, you just kind just keep testing and and keep uh, pushing things out into the marketplace, trying to find that. Uh, that that spot for you and and so i had little ahas along the way like oh that 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 works perfectly i'll do more of that or oh that doesn't work at all i'll i won't do that anymore Th- those kind of things happened o- over time but never a, a big aha for me did you have a moment where you were able to look in the mirror and say all right i've made it i am a success as i would define it <laughs> never Never, uh, and and I think this is kind of a, kind of a secret of of a lot of entrepreneurs that I've met, uh, and and it's not just me. Uh, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs like this. Uh, we see the world and we think we can change it. We look around us and we're like, "This isn't what I want in life. I think I can make something better here," and we do it. And once we've done it, we look around the world and go. I think there's something else I should be doing. There, uh, never, never a moment of being content with. Yeah, I did this. I, I, I haven't met too many people that that moment. If they had it, it didn't last long because it, there's a certain drive that that we have that keeps us discontent and keeps us moving forward. So, so I think that's that was the. I would love to feel that feeling, but I know that as soon as I felt that feeling, I probably would just like, okay, now on to the next thing. Tim, that truly is a consistent theme with the entrepreneurs that I speak to. 
on a daily basis. Entrepreneurs are constantly looking to improve themselves, to improve their business. And you're right, once they do get to that level that they had set a goal for, that that goal is already bumped up to the next level. So they're just continuing to strive forward and make the world a better place and improve everything around them. So I definitely hear where you're coming from and can concur that a lot of people feel that way. So let's move into the next topic, which is your current business, Foolish Adventure, as it stands today. What is one thing that's really exciting you about your business? The one thing that really excites me about my business is I've kind of turned what I did as a consultant, like one-on-one consulting with companies, and have turned it into more of a one-to-many type of consulting. I'm able to essentially log many years of knowledge and experience and get it out to more and more people that can take that knowledge and implement it in their own lives. I, I find I find that uh, just extremely exciting and, and fulfilling too. Let's take away the mystery of what an entrepreneur is to some level. What are two tasks that occupy a majority of your day? What do you do? Uh, besides worry, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, like, is this going to be good enough? Is that, is that, uh, what should I do here? Uh, like all those, all those decisions that, that, that fall under the uncertainty. There's so much ambiguity in being an entrepreneur. And so that, that's something that, you know, you, you just make these decisions moving forward and you just hope they're the right ones. Uh, so the things that take, uh, take up a lot of my time is content creation because trying to figure out like the way to explain an idea so that people can actually implement it in their in their business because there's so many businesses basically the same all across the board and even though everyone says my business is different they're they're all basically the same but the way you implement things uh, varies almost to the person because Somebody may be at a different level than someone else. Certain things can't be accomplished yet because you don't have enough uh, you don't have enough skills or you don't have the right resources in place to make use of an idea. So trying to figure out how to get across certain business ideas, entrepreneurial training that that people can implement and actually use in a real business that's that's really tricky and and I spend a lot of time doing that. And then the other is actually just spending it communicating with with members and listeners. My members ask questions about about their businesses. I spend time with them doing that, and then I spend a lot of time just answering emails and Twitter and stuff like that for listeners who want to ask me questions. What are a couple things that you have as a vision for the future of Foolish Adventure? I want to make Foolish, uh, Foolish Adventure more, it's actually more like uh, Foolish LLC is, is the company, but uh, Foolish as more of a media and educational company where we focus on entrepreneurship skills, entrepreneurial skills, uh, teaching things like how to use lean startup in an online-based business, an internet-based business. I, I see that as a way of replacing... Uh, entrepreneurial education out there that you could get at like a university or something that's very high priced and doesn't actually give you the the hands-on skill set, the hands-on training necessary to accomplish a, a business. And I, I that's where I, I see it going. Well, that's exciting. I'm anxiously awaiting to see how that 
progresses. Let's take a second now and talk about the summer mashup. It's something that I've really taken an interest in. It's Jason Van Orden, Dan Andrews, Pat Flynn, yourself. You guys all get together on one podcast and you talk about extremely relevant topics. I've been a huge fan of it. Why don't you give my listeners a little background behind that and kind of whet their appetite? Okay. I I think this is an idea that a lot of podcasters have had. Hey, let's get a bunch of us together and just talk. I I know when I had my former co-host Izzy on, we talked about this over a year ago. Like, hey, let's let's put together a panel of people and we'll we'll do a, a series on stuff. And we, it never happened. You know, it's like, oh, great idea. And then to get too busy running a business. And then along comes uh, Jason and Jeremy from Internet Business Mastery. And they emailed out to Pat Flynn uh, the Internet, and uh, Dan and Ian from Lifestyle Business Podcast and myself said, hey, let's do this summer marketing mashup. Just four episodes and we'll put one on each of our shows through the course of a month. And we'll do it live and we'll have people send in questions that we uh, to figure out like what topics that they really want to cover, and then we'll just give our best tips for those main topics that people wanted to know about, and then we'll open it up for questions. And we're all for that because we we all do it anyways. We all give as much of our knowledge as we possibly can when we're doing our shows, and even when writing blog posts uh, or any kind of interaction, we all do it. Uh, every one of these shows uh, does that. So it was just one more opportunity to give to the world. Well, on behalf of Fire Nation, thank you. Yeah, I, I found it. I found it really interesting, uh, both from a technical standpoint of trying to actually accomplish, but just being able to answer uh, people's questions in a, in a live format is is great. Uh, being able to have a variety of of entrepreneurs with varying experiences. Uh, Pat Flynn with his affiliate marketing that he does with Smart Passive Income, uh, Internet Business Mastery guys with their po- uh, years of podcasting experience. And uh, Dan and Ian with their physical product businesses, me with my business consulting background, putting those four in into into a, a essentially a, a virtual room talking about how how to do uh, an internet based business. I th- I thought was a very interesting uh, concept, and I liked how it turned out. Now we're entering my favorite part of the show, which is called the lightning rounds. This is Uh where I'm going to provide you with a series of questions and you're going to provide us, the listeners, with a series of amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound (laughs) like a plan? Uh, As long as they don't have to be amazing and mind-blowing, then then I think I can accomplish it. That's the goal. So let's take about 60 seconds for each one of these questions. The first one being, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Me. Me. That, that was the, the number one thing that held me back. And I think it's the number one thing that holds anyone back from anything is that they don't believe that they can do it. Uh, for years, I had a very uh, a low self-esteem. Uh, uh, on the outside, people thought I was very confident in everything. But on the inside, uh, such negative talk like, oh, you'll never be good enough. The, this, this thing's not good enough. That's not good enough. You'll never succeed at this. Uh, that, that kind of negative talk was um, 
was very detrimental, kept me from accomplishing the things that I really wanted to accomplish, kept me from doing the things that I loved to, to do. Like I, I just, it, me prevented me from uh, being what I wanted to be. And so I learned how to, when I would find that I was having this negative conversation in my head to turn it into a positive conversation to actually start talking about the things that I could do, the things that uh, I had the skills for, or saying, well, if uh, if you could do this, how would you do it? Uh, well, I would need to go learn this. Well, okay, go learn that. And, and I, I reframed what would happen. This hasn't gone away in my life. I still have those kind of uh, negative thoughts that you know try to hold me back, but I don't let them hold me back. What is the best business advice you ever received? I, I think it was learn to sell. Uh, that that was the the number one piece of advice that I got a long time ago. That uh, that really really changed because you know, like I said earlier. I, I didn't know how to get customers. So learning how to sell, when I, when I told a, a mentor, I said, hey, you know, I couldn't get customers for this thing. And they said, well, then learn how to sell. That, and I did. I went out and I learned how to sell. That's changed how I do everything. What's something that's been working for you or your business right now? Podcasting. I like Pod- that answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, podcasting has been, so, uh, I didn't want to do it. I, I literally did not want to become a podcaster. I was, I, I've always been behind the scenes. I've been a marketing guy for other people's companies. And I got asked by my friend Izzy to create the podcast and we named it Foolish Adventure. And so I, I was like, I, I, I wasn't comfortable being a on-air guy. But over time, I got comfortable with it because I saw just how much impact it really had and, and the ability to connect with so many people, not just potential customers, but also people that are now my friends, like Dan and Ian from the Lifestyle Business Podcast. I flew out to the Philippines to hang out with them for three weeks uh, because we're friends now. It, it's not just a business thing. It became much more than that. What is the best business book that you've read in the last six months? In the last six months? Um, I, I read almost a book a week. So, uh, so that, that's, that's kind of tricky. I would, say, um, I would say Built to Sell by John Warlow. That, uh, it, it's, it's, a sh- it's a fast read. It's really short. It's kind of a, uh, what's, the, what's the word for... Uh, it's a parable kind of story. Like it tells you a story about this guy going through this process of building a company that one that he hates and turning it into one that he can sell. And, and that was, that was a great book. Well, entrepreneur on fire is all about the story. It's all about the journey. So that's a good book to bring up. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah, yeah, I liked it because of the fact that it has some real concrete things that people should be implementing in every single business that they create. So this is the last question, Tim, and it's my favorite, but it's kind of a tricky one, so you can take your time, kind of let it digest, and come back with an answer that just feels right. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you still had all of your experience and knowledge that you currently have, but your business completely disappeared, so you had this clean slate Many of our entrepreneurs find themselves in this situation, so this answer will be very powerful. What would you do in the next seven days? 
Okay. Uh, so if I have if I have cash, uh, that that gives me the opportunity to do lots of things. There, there's so much you can do when you have capital or access to capital. You, it doesn't have to be your money. You just have to have access to it. You uh, let's see. So I got I've got money. The first thing I'd probably do is go out and buy um, a website that already has cash flow. Or and and for other people, if you've got other skill sets, and which I have both online and offline, because I've owned both types of businesses, uh, I would buy a business that's throwing off cash. That that would be the first thing I did. I would find one that has a, a good solid cash flow and buy it. Um, if I didn't have any money, and that happens for a lot of people, and and probably a lot of people listening, like I don't have access to any money. Uh, what what do I do? Uh, one, I would start. I would figure out what kind of skills I had that I could sell to other people. That would be the very first thing I did because I, I need to earn money. I need to bring in cash so I have capital to use and implement on other things. So I would figure out what skills I had that I could sell. If I didn't have any good skills, I would uh, cram knowledge into my head as fast as I could. Either learn to program a, a, a basic uh, web app or I'd figure out how to make a website. I'd learn about SEO, something that I could turn around that I could sell at a high uh, a high ticket uh, level. So like something I could sell for $50 an hour to $100 an hour so I'd have enough cash flow to be able to do what I truly wanted to do. Very specific. Thank you for that. Thank you for joining us today, Tim. You've given us some great actionable advice and we are all better for it. Let's just finish off here with you giving one last piece of advice to Fire Nation and then end with a plug. Last bit of advice is don't give up. Be, uh, actually, uh, the better piece of advice is be unwilling to quit. That, that advice, it, it was a phrase that I heard uh, from, uh, from a friend. And, and when, I, when I heard that, be unwilling to quit. He didn't realize what he was saying at the time. And I, I just glommed onto it. That, that is what success is. Success is being unwilling to quit when life throws you uh, everything it has to throw at you, when things are looking its bleakest, when you're giving up your dream, giving up your dream home, moving into a little tiny apartment, that's being unwilling to quit. Be unwilling to quit on your life. Be unwilling to quit on your dreams. Tim, that was amazing, and I look forward to following your foolish adventure, and we will catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, my one call to action for you today is this. Go to eofire.com and join our email community. Besides the awesome WordPress videos and opportunity for $50 cash every week, I include some goodies in our once-a-week emails. Also, don't forget to check out IgniteMastermind.com if you are truly ready to take the next step and join an elite mastermind community. $200 cash giveaways every week, forums, incredible resources, we have it all. And it's made up of inspired entrepreneurs just like you. Fire Nation, until next time, prepare to ignite. Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.